Hello, Belinda. Hi, Omar. What is this week's gratitude blooming theme? Oh, it's card number 13, the redwood representing strength. It's great to be back on the podcast. We took uh, a little bit of a break and, you know, I think sometimes you you need to rest in order to uh, have strength. So uh, I'm feeling good about this uh, as our first podcast back from break. Mm, it's nice to look at the original illustration from Arlene and just uh, be reminded of uh, what it feels like to be grounded and rooted and in the earth. Uh, just feels like there's been so much change and in the air. And it's nice to have that reminder from nature to just take a moment to connect. What, what is the plant that represents strength in the gratitude blooming deck it's the redwood tree and and what is the prompt that goes with it imagine yourself grounded like a great strong tree how does it feel this is one of my favorite uh plants in the gratitude blooming card deck just because it's just there's something about redwoods and being here in California where we're fortunate to have several groves of these trees that have been here for thousands of years. And it's just a great reminder of endurance and time and putting things in perspective. And that's, that's given how tall they are and just, uh, just can't help but look up <laughs> and be in awe. Arlene, I'm so curious as you've been remixing the artwork from the original line drawings, what came up for you as you were connecting back with the redwood tree and and just reimagining it in our meta garden? Yeah, well, since I made the original drawing, I've made a lot of redwood tree friends. <laughs> so what was coming up for me reworking the drawing is... Uh, just these memories of like visiting a tree, a redwood tree, just down in the canyon by the house and standing at the base and, you know, holding on to the tree and looking up and it was so tall. I felt, you know, the sense of vertigo and my knees got wobbly and, you know, they're really quite magnificent um, trees if you uh, have the chance to interact with them. And I do have a story for the new version of the uh, art for this week, based on the redwood tree and the theme of strength. And here it is. I have always imagined doing a drawing with the moon, an owl, and a tree, but never really had a reason to try and never really identified as a fairy or folk story artist. So maybe this week is the week of my first one. I'm not really sure what the folk story would be, but this drawing was inspired by the theme of strength from our gratitude blooming cards, so maybe that is a clue. Earlier this year, for a new note card product intended for journaling and writing, I started adding colorful geometric shapes to each of the original gratitude blooming drawings, almost like a version of suits you would find in a regular set of playing cards. 
I wanted to add color to the plain line drawings, but in a way that felt abstract, to give an invitation to explore the positive and negative spaces the geometric shapes created in order to provide a doorway for your own imagination and feelings to navigate around the themes of the cards. So for this remixed redwood tree drawing this week, I used a floating pattern of triangles that I felt reflected the redwood tree's magic spirit. When I let my own imagination wander through the geometric shapes, this owl appeared and perched on the triangular shapes next to the tree. I think it came from a memory of an owl that was nesting in a big eucalyptus tree in a park by my house last spring. And there is something in the silent darkness of the owl's experience that feels like the essence of strength. Strength often manifests in bold and physical ways, but the source of strength feels like it's born out of the silent darkness within ourselves the quiet darkness that this bird intimately knows. So if there is a lesson in the folk story of the drawing this week, it would be to remember that strength is not only found in our physical bodies. It comes from deep within our minds and spirits, and maybe even from the darkness we experience when we can imagine navigating like the owls. Amazing. Uh, I love your art, Arlene, and your stories behind them. I have to admit, uh, in first seeing this right now for the first time, I one, I was like, oh my goodness, this, it totally evokes that fairy tale, uh, childlike sort of interpretation of uh, sort of storytelling. And, and and so I have this like you you see this sort of redwood tree really pop out in the forefront with the moon kind of offering that backdrop, and then you have these like triangles, um, and it took me a moment for my brain to just sort of even register that the owl was sitting <laughs> not on the tree but on these triangles, and uh, this is totally random, but like my brain sort of went to like Super Mario Brothers and like one of those sort of like <laughs> characters that you like jump onto something and then it like, ele- it's like an elevator that like lifts you off and then you have to jump to the next thing. And so it's just like a this fun juxtaposition um, of ideas. And I think that's what I, you know, I love about art in the sense that you can create these smash-ups, right? Things that are like, oh, you know, we like to sort of pretend that there's, oh, this is the sort of, you know, this is the children's story sort of interpretation of a moment. And then and then there's this geometric sort of uh, shapes that sort of feel very different. But then all of a sudden you're like, why can't they sort of coexist in the same space? I feel like in many of our conversations, Omar, with our podcast guests, the theme of, of collective acceleration is really showing up in the form of non-duality. I mean, so many conversations, it's just kind of emerged and, and what you're sharing makes me think of that. What is the spirit or the feeling of non-duality? And Arlene, I feel like you kind of capture it here in the, in the earthiness of the moon and the, and the trees and the owl. And then yet there is this 
also um, very precise, sharp feeling of the geometry. And so I'm curious for you, what, what does the triangle symbolize and um, how did it feel for you to balance these elements and these energies into this idea of strength being physical and also deeply within? Yeah, I'm not really sure where the shapes came from, but I was just interested in geometrical aspect of of the different types of shapes. So like in the in a lot of the drawings, um, in last week's drawing, there was like a a leaf shape and other drawings that are still to come, there's going to be circles and semicircles. The shapes just feel like a, almost like an archetypal symbol of you know everything that exists in the world. And I think what one interesting thing that came up when I, I looked up the word geometry, <laughs> normally Omar does that. <laughs> <laughs> but geometry is um, the origin of the word is measurement of the earth. Mm which sort of surprised me. And so, you know, I think um, I haven't really experimented much with like sacred geometry, but I find just these very basic geometric shapes to just be mind blowing (laughs) in themselves. So I think that's really where the triangles came from for this drawing. And what some folks may not know is that you've actually studied geology. Is that right? Am I remembering this? Mm -hmm. Yes. And so, you know, I think that sort of presents sort of two, I think, very interesting things. One is geology. I think about like time, right? And just you, you know, just like the redwood sort of height makes you sort of look up and sort of realize like, wow, there's a lot of time that's passed. Geo- geology sort of, and sometimes you're looking down and you're sort of looking at the layers of time. And then there are these like amazing shapes, these geometric fractal shapes that emerge. And I'd just be curious how, you know, in some ways these shapes sort of relate to your own knowledge and experience of geology. Yeah. Well, you're reminding me that, you know, so I think of these basic shapes as being the foundation of everything, right? And if you think about the earth and you think about uh, a rock forming, I mean, really where the earth starts you know, in crystals is in geometrical form. So um, it really is the source of all the reality that we experience, this geometry. And so in a in a weird way, even without creating, you know, a special sacred geometry, just the basic shape is pretty sacred just in itself. And that's what I hope comes through in the drawing. And this particular shape, I did sort of feel like it was an opening, you know, because there's a lot of like angles and there's a lot of movement in this shape. So I do sort of think of it as a portal into our imagination. And that's really, you know, what I, I uh, hope viewers would um, experience for themselves. Like, where does this shape take you in your own imagination? And this definitely is one of my favorite pieces of your of the nft collection one because of the owl owls uh, i tend to find them in the most unusual moments um, sometimes it's at twilight driving in the dark and there'll be an owl kind of flying through making itself seen other times it's hiking in a particular spot in mount shasta where the owls roost and it's just such a potent symbol in a lot of traditions of 
being able to see in the face of darkness and the unknown. So I love that you also added this element of the full moon illuminating the shadow. It's like, what do we, what can we see when we're really in open to that darkness? I was horseback riding backcountry two years ago with my family. And we're in about, you know, two hours north of uh, Los Angeles and it's in the Angeles forest. And it's, it's actually fairly remote, even though it's in a short drive um, from our house in the middle of LA, you can be almost feeling like you're in the middle of nowhere. And the, the guide said, Hey, if you get off your horses and sort of go up this Canyon and sort of this like sand sort of stone. So it was like, had that like candle melting wax look to it um, that sandstone often has because of the erosion. And so we're, you know, about halfway up this Canyon and, you know, the crevices are starting to get pretty steep. And then all of a sudden you hear this. And you, you can actually almost feel like the pressure of the air underneath the wings of the owl. And, and yeah, I had this like primal feeling of like, oh, I am prey in this moment. You know, I am not predator. And so, you know, I just, I love both the elegance that owls and the wisdom that owls represent, but then like not forgetting at all that these things have talons <laughs> and like not to be messed with. It's, it was, I mean, it was a mad, like literally I can feel in this moment, just, I didn't even... I felt it before I saw it. Like I could, you could actually Mm. hear the wind sort of hush underneath the wings and then you could feel the pressure. I mean, maybe that's how close we were too because we were just scrambling up and like, where is this? Where are these owls? And these two owls is, which is, and I think that you bringing both the fun sort of, whimsical part of this art within the geometry like all of a sudden it it gives me at least so much room for imagination as you were saying because then it's like the owl like the triangles almost feel like an extension of the tree and it's like well why do I conceive of the tree in this particular way right and then that's I think part of the challenge is you know and we think about like the practice of gratitude and you know all these things that we are trying to bring together as art sort of is this bridge between nature and culture and, you know, a way for us to sort of interpret and understand is that so often people are looking at, you know, oh, this is the tree. This is the trunk. These are the branches. These are the leaves. And not recognizing that it's actually representing so much more that we're not seeing. You think about like the roots and the connected of the roots to the other trees and now learning that trees can talk to each other. And it's just like, there's so much more going on that we don't let our imaginations you know, capture and enjoy. So for our listeners, we invite you to really take a moment to just receive this artwork and really feel into what is that feeling of strength? You know, as you look at the owl and the redwood and the full moon, you know, oftentimes it is more of this internal sense of resilience or, or feeling secure in not knowing that is the strength that kind of brings us forward. And it um, it's really inspiring to have our guest, uh, Araya Trussman, who 
uh, is from an indigenous uh, community in the Tahoe area. And, and her focus is on healing historical trauma in her lineage. And, and it's so beautiful that she weaves this idea of the indigenous traditions with psychology and traditional therapy uh, modalities. And, and it is this different feeling of, you know, how do we build internal strength and resilience for ourselves and also for the collective. And Omar, you want to share about how you met Areya and before we introduce her in a clip? This is just, you know, part of the beautiful connections we're making in the sort of Web3 space. And this is what, you know, I think I, I really appreciate is that sometimes people think about Web3 as like very sort of like crypto and it's like money. and But this is really all coming through art and sort of really thinking about wellness and, you know, how do we want to sort of express that? And so, you know, she's you know, got her master's degree, you know, in psychology, but plus with her sort of uh, indigenous um, lineage, uh, really have a spiritual practice around healing. And, you know, I think that's what I really enjoyed in our conversation with her was just this idea that, you know, healing is emotional work and that real sort of sustained change uh, requires healing. You know, and I think sometimes I think I've talked about this before where, you know, in mindfulness and wellness, we, you know, in self-improvement, you know, there's a strong orientation towards like, um, I want to change a behavior, right? I want to become this. I want to, you know, I want to have a habit and I want to disrupt that habit with a new practice and that practice will help me sort of become healthier and better. But when there's like significant wounds and healing, it's not actually about change. It's actually about recovering. And so, you know, it's an easy thing to mix is like sort of like don't apply change when healing is really what's uh, being asked for. And so I think I appreciate that we can hold these two conversations together. So we hear a little bit from Ray on her journey into this work, looking at it from the inner healing as well as the systemic changes that are needed for her people? So I'm half native. I come from the Walker River Paiute tribe of Northern Nevada. My mother's native. My mother's family's native. Um, I grew up with that as a part of my identity, but because of colonization and the actions of the government, a lot of communities, including my own and my family have been driven very far away from what our cultural identity actually means. And this was something that was very interesting to me in my education. So back in 2016, when the no dapple protests were happening, I had a very interesting. I say that again, the no. No dapple, the Dakota access pipeline. Ah, So the no dapple protest was going on and I was very moved by the congregation of native folks from across the nation in protest of land rights, something that has been a consistent theme within, you know, native and U.S. government relations across time. And I started to have this very interesting experience where I felt very angry, very upset, very sad. And I couldn't really understand why I was having that experience. 
experience necessarily because I wasn't there. That wasn't my land specifically. But as a Native person, I felt drawn to wanting to be a part of that movement and to stand up for my community and my people. Um, so I went out there and I protested and I went with my grandmother and my mother and my siblings. So it was a really nice experience on that front to kind of bond together around this action. And when I came home from that experience, that feeling didn't quite leave. And so I was curious what that was. So I started to investigate what uh, the psychology world calls indigenous historical trauma. Basically, it's this idea that we carry trauma through many generations and in Native experience, hundreds of years and many, many, many iterations of life. So from first contact and like primitive and traditional living to where we're at today in this modern, you know, world facing microaggressions, stereotypes, prejudices, and continued oppressions from, you know, the people around us and from our nation at large. And Within that ideology, you know, native spirituality holds that our ancestors live within us at all times. It's called blood memory um, or like in the case of historical trauma, a soul wound when it comes to, you know, the more pervasive and oppressive actions. And so because you carry your ancestors within you at all times, they're your strength. They're your source of resilience. They're your source of um, power in this lifetime because they walk this earth so that we could walk this earth as well. And so everything that they learn and everything they're connected to in the greater realms where they are, they can transmit into us and we can carry that with us every day. I think this is where we just hold that balance between sort of the systemic historical, right? Going back to, you know, Arlene's study of geology and sort of you know, it's so easy sometimes like, you know, in wellness circles to be like, oh, I'm going to be present in this moment right here, right now. And then, and then in some ways then forget about everything that has happened before. And I think this is where sometimes mindfulness can fall very short, right? Where it's just actually the present is actually also part of a lineage and in history. Right. And so how do we acknowledge both the beautiful side, right? The sort of ancestral traditions um, that were deeply connected to nature and into recognizing healing and then all of uh, the systemic, um, you know, pressures that, you know, have caused deep wounds. Um, and so I really appreciate this very hard work. Right to hold both all of that and just, and to still just be present in this moment because that's all we can actually do is to be here right now. I remember in the course of the conversation with Ray how I was feeling the the sadness that she described of the her lineage and everything that's happened historically with the Native Americans and. And what really was striking was the way that then that narrative shifted, it, just even in what she shared. It's like, yes, this is, this happened and it's real and it's really present in our blood memory. And yet my ancestors are still here not to c continuously rem remind ourselves of the wound and be wounded in the present and in the future, but to remember this in our blood memory so that we can find the strength to then heal from that wound 
And it is so interesting. It's like, how do we, yeah, like you're saying, Omar, how do we acknowledge that this is so real? It's in our cells. Like I'm remembering the conversation with Melissa from her, you know, Chinese uh, grandfather, you know, trauma. And, and yet in both cases, these are powerful examples of then how do we then acknowledge this and feel this in our bodies and create a new kind of narrative that then creates this energy of resonance of healing from the present to the future. Yeah. And this is, you know, I also, I love when science and spiritual practice are in agreement. So, you know, what the native Americans understood as blood memory or soul wound science is also now able to sort of understand the physiology and how our cells really do kind of carry uh, ancestral sort of wounds in many cases, because it is about the resilience and the, and the body is like, Hey, this trauma happened. So I'm going to adapt physically and I'm going to be maybe on higher alert. Um, and so the, you know, the parasympathetic system doesn't ever get to recover and sort of de sort of stress, uh, from something that happened a generation or two generations ago. Uh, and so again, you know, I think, you know, you, you touched on it, this sort of non-duality, right? Like how do we sort of recognize that I can only just be present in this moment and this moment is filled with a lot of things that preceded me. And, you know, and this was, you know, I think my own sort of personal journey into the practice of gratitude was recognizing like, oh, my family has some wounds. They don't do so well in talking about emotions and feelings sometimes, uh, which then creates different kinds of conflict. And I was like, is that what I want to sort of the legacy that I want to, you know, give to my children? And so, you know, it's recognizing that we can sort of hold sort of the challenges and those challenges don't always have to uh, continue, that we can break some of these cycles. And I just so appreciate how we're creating new language, new vocabulary around some of these things and that we can hold, you know, a soft space for different words to come through. You know, Melissa talked about it on a cellular level and Ray, you know, really unpacks it from a blood memory perspective. And we're going to share a clip of just, you know, what does that really mean for her? And what is that? How does that drive how she looks at healing? A lot of the work that I do and a lot of the work that I care about is about taking indigenous identity, taking indigenous practices, taking traditional practices and revitalizing them and using them as a pathway to healing. Because when you break an identity down, when you take away what matters with the blood memory, it's still inside of you. It still wants to be there and it needs to have space to be heard and to be acknowledged. And so you start to see this mismatch of like, I don't belong in this space because I don't feel like myself. And so a lot of really cool therapy is coming out of like these projects where they're taking traditional spirituality, traditional practices and using those as the main framework for doing processing and healing. And also, you know, incredible studies where, you know, young children even said that they felt better after eating like traditional food or engaging in traditional activities and not even realizing that like the protective factor of of engaging in their identity and their soul's identity was active and at play in those moments. What is the blood memory saying right now? To spread more awareness around reclaiming your identity in whatever form it is, to honor your truth and your existence 
and to connect with yourself on a deeper level and really listen to your body, mind and spirit for what it needs, because it's our greatest teacher. We know what we need. It's all within us at all times. We don't need to look externally at all to know what we need right now. So the more we can turn inward and and connect with ourselves and what we care about and who we are as a person, the better we'll be as humans at large. Yeah, I remember there was a line that Ray said, without healing, we repeat the brokenness of the past. And, you know, I think that really being able to bring, you know, I, I started writing this post, I think I might have even posted it on LinkedIn, where just embodiment is really the alignment between body, mind, and heart. And, you know, and part of the challenge is when we're not in alignment, then we're in some way suffering the brokenness of separation, right? That, that body, mind, and heart are not in alignment. They are separated. And so how do we sort of practice, you know, and I love that it, she was just like eating indigenous food, right? Like just sort of going back to some basics. It doesn't have to be super complicated um, and just knowing that the body and like the traditions and, and cause there's a lot that goes into that, right? Like, so where the food is grown, what are the, you know, food is cultural. And so like, what are those sort of cultural practices that went into the cooking and then the sort of, and then the eating and the consuming. And it's sort of like, how much more embodied is there of a practice than eating in some ways, right? Like it is literally consuming something that sort of says like, this is my ancestry. This is who I am. Um, this is what my body has known Uh, for generations. What's most striking to me is it's cultural identity, not for the sake of being able to say, hey, this is who I am externally. It's actually knowing your cultural identity in such a deep cellular level that then you have all the answers within you. You're just accessing them and kind of brings me back to the art that it then is just a portal that's there that we can just drop into if we can really connect in with the the body, the mind, the spirit, and and that we can hold those dualities of something is off, something needs to be healed, yet we have the antidote within us and they all are working together in this beautiful way. You know, it's like we are complete and there's something else that we need for our wholeness. So how do you then bridge this feeling of needing to change the system, you know, that has really um, erased your whole, the cultural identity of your people? And, and, and how do you move from that to a place of healing on the individual and collective level? And, and Ray talks about a story of how the inner and the outer work are connected and, and how she navigates personally in her practice of reframing that story. I think healing is change. You have to heal yourself. You have to heal your community. You have to heal everything around you in order to move forward and change in a positive way. Otherwise you're probably going to fail and you're going to have to keep 
redoing the cycle. And even if you do move into change, you're going to fail and you're going to have to repeat the cycle. And that's where strength and resilience comes in. It's like every time we go towards change and we go towards healing, it's not going to be linear. You're going to go up and then you're going to fall back down. A turning point in my own life was around the time that I was 16. And throughout my youth, I was pretty bullied by my peers. I really didn't have any friends. I really didn't have any social network. And I created a pretty significant trauma narrative around being isolated and being rejected by my peers. And I carried that with me as kind of a chip on my shoulder, definitely a wound. And that was something that I brought into a lot of spaces as a part of my identity was this like, I'm hurt, I'm rejected, I'm wounded person because of these many experiences across many, many, many years that had happened to me. And it was one day I was actually at a concert. <laughs> I was at Empire of the Sun and I was up in Oregon. I was with some acquaintance slash friend people and I was just kind of marinating in my brain on who I was as a person and, and how I came to be in that present moment there that day at that time, listening to amazing music surrounded by beautiful people. And I just realized that Everything that you go through in your life brings you to where you are today and where you are today is a beautiful experience. And so you have to have gratitude for all that has happened before you and kind of shifting that framework for myself from being negative and holding on to this idea of myself as being not worthy or not good enough or hated or whatever that was that I had literally led with in all of my relationships. Like that was the crux of like who I was as a person to people and shifting that to say, I am so grateful that I went through such hard times and had to, I had to experience those feelings, had to experience what it was like to be lonely, had to experience what it was like to be left out and be so isolated and, you know, wandering the halls by myself at lunch because it was easier to walk around than to sit by myself. I looked at all that and I went, all of that made me into the person that I am today. And I am so proud of who I am and where I'm standing right now. And so shifting that framework for myself was like one of the most powerful experiences of healing that I've ever had in my entire life. And I carry that exact same framework into every single negative and adverse experience I have nowadays. I look at it and go, I am learning. I am growing. This is shaping me in some way, shape or form. Sometimes I don't know why or what the shaping is you know, occurring. Like, I don't know how it's going to change me, but whatever it's doing, it's going to make me into a better person, a more beautiful person, a person that can show up for other people in a better way, a person who can show up for themselves in a better way. And so really deeply grateful and the practice of gratitude is is huge in my healing process. And I think it should be huge in a lot of people's healing processes because we like to get into a narrative of victim a lot of the time. And so shifting the vi like the narrative from victim to survivor is like the first step. So like victim is everything's against me. Survivor is I went through this and I'm still here. And then hero is. I went through this and I'm so grateful because it's made me into a better person today and it has given me strength and power to continue on in this life. I love uh, that framing from victim to survivor to hero, but also recognizing that it's not linear, right? And that's sort of, you know, I think 
again, sort of going back to the redwood tree, you know, it could be very easy to sort of just imagine you look at the redwood tree and it's sort of this linear sort of object branching up into the sky. But when you do that, you're, you're maybe missing all the branches, right? Like these are sort of these, these, these things branch off and leaves fall and the roots that are sort of digging into the earth and, and mixing with the other trees around it. And so being able to hold that sort of this, there is, there's this linear sort of progression in things, but there are all these branches, there are all these roots, there are all these sort of interactions that are constantly enabling us to change, you know, as the conditions require. Also known as resilience. (laughs) 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 FYI. Arlene, what comes up for you as you have been sitting with this theme of strength and hearing Ray's story around what that really means for her? What a powerful story. This is the first time that I'm hearing it. So, um, yeah, I find it very inspirational. You know, I don't know how old she is, but she seems very wise. Yeah, and it's almost in the moments where we have this adversity, where we feel like the world is against us. That's actually the time when we need to remember that strength. And what I'm hearing from her story is the strength is making that choice of shifting the story. And I'm appreciating how in in her experience of being in relation and having that kind of cultural baggage influence, you know, her sense of her relationships with others, um, she found the gratitude for those hardships and those woundings to be able to be a hero in her life. And I feel like that's the hardest part of practicing gratitude is, you know, when I'm in my weakest darkest time I don't want to be thankful (laughs) or have praise for what's in my life and and I feel like this card is saying hey in, in the darkest moments in the shadows is when you have the choice to see it in a new light well I'm definitely grateful for the conversations that we're getting to host and be a part of not to preview too much of a an upcoming conversation, but we interviewed an author yesterday and she uh, reminded me that uh, the word logos, which uh, can be translated from Greek uh, to Latin, um, I think it was, was the word and sort of in the beginning was the word. But another interpretation of that word logos is conversation. And so if we think about in the beginning was a conversation, right? That things are not static, right? The word sounds like, boom, this is it. (laughs) There's nothing before, there's nothing out. This is the word. But a conversation is in a relationship. And it's an understanding that the journey isn't, you know, this is, you know, said over and over and over again, right? It's always about the journey and not the destination. Um, And so, you know, I really appreciate Ray for the work that she's trying to bring into the world of really trying to bridge sort of uh, ancestral knowledge and traditions along with sort of modern science and psychology and sort of recognizing both her own personal journey, but also the systemic challenges and the policy work that needs to be done, right? And so it's both the activism uh, of trying to create change in the world and the healing that is so necessary within. And it's just, 
you know, people like her are just really on the front lines, I believe. And I think all the encouragement and love and support that we can give for those who are doing this hard work, because it is, I think, sort of pushing the edges of how we want to live. Um, sometimes it's sort of easy to kind of sort of be in our own cocoons, um, but really to sort of be in conversation with others and really sort of be a part of it all. Uh, I think that's the deep healing and work that is possible for all of us. So inspired by that idea of doing our inner healing to then create that ripple effect in the world, this week's practice, I invite you to create some space to do some journaling. So if you're not in a place in this moment as you're listening to do that work, you can, you know, press pause and Find a time when you can really be sitting with a paper and pencil or pen. And just think back to a time, just like Ray shared, of a hardship that was challenging, or maybe a theme in your life of a wounding that you have. You know, maybe for me, it's, you know, not being good enough. There's always something better I could be doing uh, than what I am doing now. Just thinking about an obstacle or a wounding that has been present in your life. Just writing that down or just remembering that in the moment. And then with your feet planted on the ground, with your roots into the earth, feeling that inner strength, I I now invite you to reframe that story. What about that can you have gratitude for? What did that pain teach you in your life? What did you learn about yourself? from that experience and how do you want to shift that perspective so for me it's I am enough I'm doing is enough and just imagining the strength coming from your inner groundedness the resilience of saying to yourself, I am still here despite all of that. Notice what comes up in your body as you feel that inner strength. As you write the new narrative for your identity. Thank you, Belinda, for that beautiful practice. We appreciate the art, Arlene, you know, and how it just continues to spark different ways for us to imagine the world around us. And that then creates room for, I think, these different paths to both the social change we want to see in the world and the healing uh, that many need within. Uh, so thank you to our listeners. We appreciate you. Please continue to like, subscribe, help us grow this conversation. Um, 
because this is really what we think uh, and feel and hope uh, is possible in the world. And support us by collecting this beautiful NFT or pre-ordering our new note cards for journaling. Uh, You can see all of the geometric shapes that Arlene has paired with the original line drawings and the introduction of color. Everything is so um, thoughtfully remixed in the note card. Heartfully. Heartfully. (laughs) That's right. Spiritly. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.